Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Prayer. I'm Pastor Andrew F. Carter, and it is 5.30 a.m. here in Sweet Home, Oregon. Of all places, some of you might have heard of it. Some of you most likely have not. I am at my mom's house. So you might, might, might not be used to the background or the setting, but uh, once a month I come up here and I visit with my kids. I made it here safely, but uh, we are tuning in from Bunk Bed Central. So this is Bible and Bunk Bed, uh, the edition of Coffee and Prayer. We'll be here for the next couple of days, but uh, good morning. As you guys come in, let me know where you are and what time it is. We got people from, we got Sister May from Germany. We got people from Toronto. We got people from all around the world. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Good morning. I see Brother Gonzo, Brother Henry, Christian, Carlos. These are all these are all brothers who are a part of my actual congregation and church in Inglewood. Uh, love to see them tuning in daily. We got people from Charlotte, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. You did that on purpose, Chris, to watch me butcher it, but uh. I think I did pretty well. Austin, Texas. The Wood. That's my hometown. That's where I'm at. Stockholm, Sweden. Wow. Dubai. Worldwide, you guys. I absolutely love it. The beauty of it is that we are here not for me, not for platform, not for praise, not for anything but Jesus. We are here collectively to know the Lord better. You guys, praise report yesterday, 30 people, uh, according to your guys' calculations. I wasn't counting. I'm only sharing what was told to me. About 30 people uh, got saved or rededicated their life yesterday at the end of 1 Corinthians. Praise, glory, and honor to God. Um, it's a humbling feeling knowing that we're doing this through social media. We are doing this together, collectively. You guys are partnering with me in preaching the gospel. We've created an atmosphere where uh, we're bringing our friends, our family members. We're sharing this with other people. And we're coming together and we're getting closer to God. We're getting more intimate with the word. We're having a deeper, better understanding of scripture. So happy Friday. Maybe uh, you might have, this might be your first time tuning in. What we do here is we read a new uh, one chapter of the New Testament, one chapter of the Old Testament. And um, you guys do the reading. I share some thoughts, some context, uh, you know, a little bit of direction um, and try to unpack and unfold what God is trying to speak to us in this moment, right? It's crazy because I can go back and read scripture. If I went back and read 1 Corinthians again today, uh, chapter 1, I might be able to pull something else out that I didn't from the first time. The word of God is alive. It is a sword. It is constantly uh, speaking to us regarding our current situation. So some days you might be like, whoa, that was just like exactly what I needed to hear. And, uh, you know, it's not me. It's not necessarily anything that I'm doing. It's the scripture. It's God speaking to you. Amen. So uh, today we are starting a brand new chapter. We're starting 2 Corinthians. And uh, as I'm reading it this morning, it's just like I already know um, this is going to be good. We're about to dive into some some controversy. We're going to dive into some challenging topics. We're going to dive into some things that will change us and transform us. So if somebody would be as kind uh, to put, uh, what is it, Second Corinthians chapter 1 and Psalm chapter 138. Look, Sister May, she, and we got to put her on the payroll. If there was a payroll, you'd be on it because she's on top of things right there. So awesome. Awesome, awesome. So in 2 Corinthians, let's kind of lay the, the background of what's going on. So what's going on here is 
Paul is writing his second letter to the church in Corinth. It has been about a year. About a year has passed between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And what they, I say they, like what theologians and those who are much smarter and uh, more well-versed in the history of the church, what they've gathered is that Paul has visited the church in Corinth between 1st and 2nd Corinthians, right? He's made his way over there. And what they describe is that it was a, it was a painful and it was a challenging um, and confrontational visit. He, he showed up there and he basically laid the hammer down. And um, not in a way that, it, you know, he, he calls sin, sin. He, he's, he's trying to help people live a life that is filled with righteousness and holiness. And if they're living one way, and uh, you understand the saying, when the, the cat's away, when the cat's away, the mice will play. It's almost like, well, Paul's not here. And so there's individuals within the church who might have positions of power or influence and they're rising up and they're trying to twist and manipulate things or uh, people in the church are trying to bring in tradition, religion, or even thoughts of, of other traditions and other religions, right? They're, they're trying to mix this in. And that's kind of what we do is we take what we want. We like to pick and choose from the scripture and make it something that it was never intended to be. And so as Paul's away, this is what's taking place in Corinthians. So he writes the first letter, then he shows up, he confronts some things. Um, apparently, from what I've read, there was another letter before, like in between first and second, that was a painful message, but uh, at some point got lost. It's a great topic to research and look into. But here we find second Corinthians. He's writing this from Macedonia, again, about a year after first Corinthians was written. Um, what he what what he does here is immediately he's kind of like defending himself, right? The church in Corinth has found a place of repentance. They're moving in the right direction, and so here Paul he's answering some of his accusers. He's answering um, and kind of defending himself for some of his actions and reestablishing his authority. But there's a lot of good stuff that we can take out of it. So it says that uh, you know, hey, he does his introduction from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm an apostle because that is what God wanted. Um, also, Timothy, our brother in Christ. So Timothy's here with him. So the, to the church of God in Corinth and to all of God's people everywhere in southern Greece, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he goes in and he's like, hey, praise be to God and Jesus. Verse 4 is where we really start, we really start powering. He says, he comforts us every time we have trouble. So when others have trouble, we can comfort them with the same comfort God gives us. Right out the gate. Like, Lord spoke to me, right? Lord spoke to me. He comforts us every time we have trouble. I already see people in here. Hey, I'm going through a lot. I need prayer. I need this. I need this. Somebody stop what you're doing and help me. Now listen, this is what God wants. He wants you to understand that you are going to have trouble. He comforts us every time we have trouble. Everybody is going to go through trouble. Everybody is going to go through challenging times. Everybody is going to go through uh, an issue or an obstacle. Everybody's going to grieve. Everybody's going to have temptations. Everybody's going to be spiritually attacked, right? Understand that uh, the God is the Father. He is full of mercy and he is full of comfort. Many times we run to other people for comfort. Many times we run to things for comfort. Maybe it's drugs, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's relationship, maybe it's sex. Many times we run to other people to, to be comforted when God is our place of comfort. Do you guys understand this? Somebody asked, when does it stop? I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. 
right? And this scripture, it really feeds us. He comforts us every time we have trouble. So you will have trouble. Run to him for comfort. And many times the reason, if we can look past our suffering and wow, man, why me? Why me? Poor me. It's all like all of these things are happening to me. And I say this with the utmost empathy, right? I'm being empathetic, but I understand the mindset that we fall victim into, right? It's easy to fall into that victim mentality and think that we have it worse than everybody else or that there's nobody else experiencing the same things that we're going through. It's easy to focus on our suffering and not the suffering that Christ went through. And understand, he says, so when others have trouble, we can comfort them with the same comfort God gives us. Many times there's purpose in the pain, but we fail to miss it because we're so consumed with what's going on in our lives. Does that make sense? I can look back and say, the pain that I've experienced had a purpose behind it because now I'm able to sit in a place of understanding with individuals who have gone through the same thing. Hey, I've been through the pain of divorce. So now I can sit with you and I can encourage you and comfort you when you're going through divorce. I've been to foster care. So as kids are experiencing homelessness or being, uh, you know, kind of mixed around in the system or jumping from house to house or not having a consistent place to live, guess what? I can sit with you because I've experienced that pain. God comforted me through that. So now I can sit with you and comfort you through that. So if I can see past my own pain and understand that God is allowing these things so that I can be a comfort to others and I can point other people in that situation to Jesus, then it makes more sense to me right you hear the saying many times God will give his strongest warriors some of the toughest battles but many times us as being some of the toughest warriors get so consumed with it's all about me and it's only happening to me and it hurts and it's painful and I can't get through and there's nothing else that's going to happen and when we focus and become hyper focused on the problem we miss that there's purpose in what we're experiencing right so here it says, he comforts us every time, not some of the time, not part time, not, you know, a third of the time, every time he comforts us every time we have trouble. So when others have trouble, we can comfort them with the same comfort that God gives. There's purpose in the pain, but it's easy to be consumed with what we're going through. Again, this is the wisdom of the world. It's this, it's this mindset and it's this point of view that we have. It says, we share in many sufferings of Christ. In the same way, much comfort comes to us through Christ. If we have troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we have comfort, you also have comfort. This helps you to accept patiently the same sufferings we have. Our hope for you is strong, knowing that you share in our sufferings and also in the comfort we receive. Right? We have to understand and, and, and change our mindset. Christ suffered. Christ was God's son. Christ was God in the flesh. He was perfect, blameless, sinless. What kind of comfort did he get? What kind of relief did he receive as he was going to the cross for your sins? So if our hope and, and our faith and our trust in God, our confidence in God is only found in the fact that he relieves our suffering, what relief did Christ receive? Christ suffered unto death. Do you guys understand that? Perfect blameless but there was purpose in the pain the purpose of his pain and suffering was to carry the weight and the, the 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 heaviness of the sin of this world so that you and i can have relationship with god to pay our debt so if christ perfect carried his suffering unto death what makes us think that god loves us less or more if he doesn't end our suffering again 
your your mindset is not on eternity it's on here in this world we're not promised an, a life of ease or comfort or a life that is immune to suffering so please don't put suffering in the place of of purpose right so many of us think oh because i'm suffering maybe god doesn't love me because i'm suffering maybe god cares less about me maybe because i'm suffering then maybe i'm doing something wrong that's not that's not, <clears throat> that's not how it works unfortunately right unfortunately that's not how it works and what happens is we start to compare our lives to other people's lives and so because so and so isn't suffering god must love them more or because they have we we tend to call people who live a life of ease and comfort hashtag blessed oh i'm living a blessed life because you there's an absence of suffering but that couldn't be further from the truth we are blessed regardless of our level of suffering because we have jesus at the end of the day, we have Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Let that sink in. You are blessed regardless of the suffering that you're experiencing. If you have the divine revelation of Jesus Christ, if you have received salvation, if you have received forgiveness, if you have now have relationship with God, you are blessed despite your financial status, despite your relationship status, despite your health status, despite the suffering that you're going through. A life absent of suffering doesn't mean that God loves you less or loves you more. His love isn't contingent upon the amount of suffering that we're going through. And sometimes I wish I had the answer. When will your suffering stop? I don't know. When did Jesus' suffering stop? It's, uh, his suffering stopped when he took his last breath. He suffered unto death. I don't know. I, I don't know. And I wish, you know, I, I wish that I had the answer for you. I don't know each individual situation. I know that it's hard when there's not enough money. I know that it's hard when there's not enough love. I know when it's hard when people hurt you. I know that it's hard when people turn their back on you. I know that it's hard when people stab you in the back. I know that it's hard when you have health issues. I know that it's hard when you lose people. But what can we do, right? The, my hope and my trust, is, it's not in this world. It's not in my financial status because my finances can collapse. It's not in my relationship status because I can only control my end of the relationship. I can't control the way another individual loves me, treats me, or cares about me, right? I, I can't. So relationship statuses, unfortunately, they change. So my hope and trust isn't in that relationship status. My hope and, 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 and my, my trust isn't in my health. I know people who are healthy and they eat good and run and take care of themselves and you know, at the drop of a hat have cancer. So they've done everything right as far as that goes, yet they still like, so, so my hope and my trust aren't in things that are temporary. My hope and my trust aren't in, like I'm experiencing life here in the flesh on the earth and, and, and I'm enjoying as much as I can. There's suffering, there's grief, there's frustration, there's attacks, there's all of these things that I'm navigating. But at the end of the day, my hope, my trust, and my faith are in Jesus. My eyes are on eternity on salvation my eyes and i'm standing on the promises of god but the promises of god don't necessarily mean that you're going to live a life that is absent of suffering and trouble and chaos the promises of god is connection to god right now and uh the the the, the hope of eternity right there will be no suffering there will be no death there will be no pain there will be no grief that's what my eyes are on but until I get there, I understand where I live. I understand what the reality of life is. 
and my hope isn't in winning the lottery. My hope isn't in meeting my dream person. My hope isn't in whatever this world tells you is going to bring you peace and comfort. My comfort is found in Christ. Amen? And that right there is a tweet in and of itself. My comfort's found in Christ and no one else. It's in Him. And if we can just, you know, it, it sounds like I'm really, I'm, I'm hard-hearted. Oh, but you don't understand what I'm going through, man. Listen, I understand a lot. I'm going to share with you guys. I'm going to go off script and we'll jump back to the scripture, but I'm going to be really raw and honest. Last night, so I'm at my mom's house and, and when I'm here, I don't know if you guys know part of my testimony, but uh, grew up rough. Our relationship wasn't always good. It's only been reconciled in the last decade or so of life where she's really made a, an effort to be clean and sober and off drugs. And even then she's had ups and downs and relapses, but I've loved her through it because as an adult, I understand how hard it must have been to raise two young men without financial support, without an education, without the, the resources that many others have. But when I come here, there's there's definitely um, a spirit that I have to pray against um, that, that's attached to her. And um, I was even thinking about doing a deliverance this visit or, you know, laying hands on her and praying for her. But the dreams that I have when I'm here and uh, last night I, I dreamt and I'm not a big dream guy, right? I dream of just the most random things, whatever I was watching or reading. It's typically some kind of a dream. But last night I was tuckered from traveling. I got in bed at nine o'clock and I sleep great. But um, I had this dream and it just reminded me of some of the pain and the hurt that we've gone through. I had a dream about my eighth grade year and, and how many people I hurt. In eighth grade, I remember going to school and I got suspended like four times. I, I remember fighting and stealing and lying and being disruptive in class. Like in eighth grade, it was one of probably the worst years that I had. The following year, my ninth grade, I ended up dropping out of school in the last half of school. But in this dream, it took me back to the things that I was dealing with at home. And, um, you know, we lived in, I think, four different places. We lived in a project. We lived in a, a transitional housing. We lived in cars. We lived in different places. And I remember, um, you know, she would drop me off while she went and did her drug deals and, and you know, did the things that she was doing. And uh, we would go to different places or I would sit in the living room where she would go off in a back room for a couple hours and I'd be sitting there watching TV in some random dealer's house while stuff was going on in the back. And I remember the pain and the frustration and the uncertainty. And I remember being so filled with angst and depression and not knowing what was going on, not knowing if I would catch her uh, overdosed or not knowing if she would not come home. Um, you know, just like the, the pure terror of of what was going on as a kid who was in eighth grade and the, the uncertainty. And I remember the suffering and I remember how hard my heart was and how angry I was. And then I was forced to go to school. And when I would go to school, I would act out and I would, I was hurt on the inside. And so I would hurt other people. If somebody said something to me, there was, you know, I would, I would just, I would rush them. I would attack them. I would put hands on them. If somebody made fun of me or attempted to, I, I started to use fear as a means to gain respect. I just, I, I was hard hearted. And I was filled with pain and I was filled with suffering and the things that I went through, um, you know, some people could never imagine the things that I saw uh, as a kid growing up in the places that I've been. And, and I could sit here and I could write you a real sad country song about all of the wrongs, all of the pain, all of the hurt, all of the suffering I've experienced, but also that I've caused. There's a lot of regret and shame attached to the things that I've done in my past, but I have to remind myself that there was comfort in that, that God carried me through. 
I was allowed to be a part of that. I took part in those things so that I could come to, to, to a, a place of teaching and leading and guiding people in the word from a different perspective. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up singing psalms. I didn't grow up in Sunday school. I didn't grow up doing those things. And so God allowed those things and he carried me through those things so that I can provide comfort to individuals who can not only relate, but might know people who can relate. Right? Not everybody in here shares the same kind of testimony. It's cool because there's people from their teenagers, teenage years all the way to their 70s. There's white people, black people, Hispanic people, Asian people from around the world. Because God, because God carried me through these things and I can see that there was purpose in pain, I'm able to relate to a lot of people from different walks of life because of what God did. And instead of me sitting here focusing on my suffering and the pain and the hurt and thinking that this world owes me something or holding a grudge and unforgiveness towards my mom, there was healing in this. God was able to heal and redeem. And now that I can see as an adult that there was so much purpose and that he was doing things even in the suffering. And now God's able to use this testimony and I'm able to share the goodness and the grace and the love and the transformational power of Jesus Christ with people around the world. And I believe God wants to do the same thing in the suffering that you're experiencing, but it takes time and it takes us to understand that that suffering, it's not meant to punish you. It's not meant to hurt you or to harm you. God is growing you. He's shaping you. He's allowing some of these obstacles to whittle away the rough edges of your character so that you can share the goodness of Jesus with individuals who are going through the exact same thing that you've experienced right it's all glory to God it's not about us it's not about my story it's not about my suffering I could sit here and write a book about how terrible things were but at the end of the day I understand that it was more terrible it was more terrible what Jesus went through and he went through it because there was purpose behind the suffering and so my heart my heart goes out to those of you who are going through it, but please understand that it's not just about you. There is purpose in the pain. There's suffering that we're all going to experience, but understand that God is there to comfort you and to carry you through that. And on the other side, there's a testimony and that testimony can change lives and it can shake and rattle the gates of hell. It will break chains. It will loose the captives and it has the power to break generational curses. Amen. Now let's jump back in here to 2 Corinthians. I told you 2 Corinthians is going to be powerful. And I love that I'm starting it in this place. I love that I'm starting it here. Uh, a place that has so much history and has so many memories. And a place that uh, there's been a lot of healing and forgiveness and growth. Um, it's cool that I live the life that I live and where I live it. But... Uh, it wasn't always like this, and, and I love to, to come back here monthly. It's a really great reminder, and I actually receive a lot of rest, and I receive a lot of rejuvenation when uh, I spend time with my kids and my family, and I'm reminded of where I come from. Oh man, I'm sitting in a, a little tiny, um, little tiny room with a bunk bed, you know, with my mom in the other room, and I get my kids this afternoon, and it's just, it's just cool. It's just cool. God reminds me to stay humble, to, to stay rooted, to stay grounded, and, and not to get so consumed with the suffering and trauma and past events, but to understand that he carried us through, he carries us through those things to bring glory and honor to him. Amen. So good. Mm. 
So it says, uh, he, he, he talks about, like, Paul goes into 2 Corinthians and he starts having to defend himself. So some of the things and issues that they're going through is the, the church in Corinth, they start to discredit Paul. He was supposed to come back to them, but he made a change to his plans. And so they're kind of saying that Paul's flaky. Paul's not a man of his word. Paul doesn't, you know, he, he's not this. And so he goes in and he says, this is what we are proud of. And I can say this with a clear conscience. In everything we have done in the world, and especially with you, we had an honest and sincere heart from God. We did this by God's grace, not by the kind of wisdom the world has. This is convicting, the kind of wisdom that the world has. We write to you only uh, we write to you only what you can read and understand, and I hope that as you have understood some things about us, you may come to know everything about us. Then you can be proud of us, as we will be proud of you on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And he says, the way that the world thinks. He was like, Do I do you think I made these plans without really meaning? Or maybe you think I make plans as the world does, so that I say yes, yes at the same time, no, no. And uh, look, man, sometimes in my life, there's there's been times where, and this is something that I've been working on, and the scripture says, let your yes mean yes and your no mean yo, no. And there's been times where he says that the world makes plans like, yes, yeah, 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 we'll do that, we'll do that. And in their heart, they're going, there's no chance that we'll ever do this. So Paul saying, I wasn't saying, yeah, I'm going to come back to, to Corinth. I'm going to come back to the church. But in his heart saying, I'm not ever coming back. What he's saying is that, hey, I'm living by the spirit. I'm following Christ. He goes, in the moment, I meant yes. Yes, I was going to come back. But as I'm moving forward, the spirit of God took me a different direction. We have to understand that sometimes it even says that man will make plans, but God establishes our steps. Sometimes we make commitments or we make decisions and choices in the moment, believing and thinking that they're right. But as we get closer to them, sometimes, just sometimes, the spirit of God, and again, that you have to be tapped in, you have to be tuned in, you have to be locked in. Sometimes he will take you a different direction. And uh, there's been times, and even recently, when I made a commitment to be a part of a ministry, um, and, and there's no love loss. I, I was I was a part of the sanctuary. You guys, if you've followed me for any amount of time, that's where we did the crossover tour. That's where we did... Um, you know, the, a lot of the Malibu Beach events, I've been a part of the sanctuary for over a year. And we made a commitment to be a part of what they were doing. But um, I made this commitment with my whole heart. And I, I loved what we were doing. But uh, as of last month, you know, a month or so ago, as we were getting closer to the launching of the sanctuary app to go public and go big, God put it on my heart to separate, to go a different direction. Our visions no longer were in alignment and my heart was changed and the Holy Spirit was leading me in a different direction. And so um, even though I had said yes, because in the moment, a year before, there, it was it was clear and that's the direction that God wanted me to go. I had to make a decision based on the leading of the Spirit. And so I had to have an uncomfortable conversation about, hey, yes, I know that I said I was going to be here and I was going to do these things, but um, our visions are no longer in alignment and God's taken me in a different direction. And so I had to say my farewells and take our ministry uh, in a different way. And there was no love lost. There was no hurt. But that's being in tune. I had made a plan. I made a decision. I made a commitment. But at the same time, I had to be obedient to the Spirit, right? I had to be obedient to what God was uh, was leading me. And, and there was a part of me because I don't necessarily love conflict and I like to be a man of my word. I like to follow through on commitments that I make. So if I make a commitment, I like to stick to it. And, and sometimes that can even be a fault. I, I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings or I don't want to step on toes. But when that 
uh, when I when, when I'm going in the, the the opposite direction of which the Holy Spirit is leading me, it doesn't turn out well. So unfortunately, sometimes we have to hurt feelings, or sometimes we have to step on toes, or sometimes we have to, uh, you know change the the direction that we might have planned because we might have over promised or may, might have oversold something we might have to kind of go back and eat a little bit of crow or we got to pull our foot out of our mouth and say hey that that's not what god's doing that's not the direction that god's taking me i need to take a step back and go this direction and that's all that paul was really doing is he was defending himself you know saying hey I, I, I wasn't I wasn't leading you guys on in the moment I said yes I'd come back but hey you know I'm being led by the spirit so I'm not making plans like the world makes plans saying yeah 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 but in your heart saying no 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 you have to make sure and that comes from like how do you know people might ask it, with the more time that you spend in the presence of God the clearer his voice is it says that my sheep know my voice so as I'm spending time with God, I understand and recognize what is from God and what is from my flesh. I'm able to discern what the difference is, right? Let your no mean no, let your yes mean yes, but always be in tune with the Spirit because sometimes there are these holy pivots. The Lord will pivot. He will take a different direction. Sometimes, and what I honestly believe, and I can go back to my situation, is that between the time I said yes and the time that our uh, our visions were became misaligned, there were people whose lives were touched. There were connections that were made. We were supposed to be on that journey. We were supposed to get to that point. So that initial commitment was done in love and in truth, in spirit and truth. And so we rode that path and we came all the way to a fork in the road. And, and even though my mind and my heart wanted to go forward in that direction, the Holy Spirit said, no, no, no. Uh, this is the direction we're going. I've got a different plan for you. And it's okay to say, you know what? God's got a different vision. Our vision's no longer aligned. I'm going this way. It looks like you're going this way. I love you. I honor you. But this is where our journey, this is where the chapter, our part in this book ends. And I've got to go this direction. And that comes from, uh, that comes from setting boundaries. That comes from being open and honest. That comes from truth. Um, because sometimes, again, some of us will stay in situations that are uncomfortable or are not led by the Holy Spirit because we're fearful of confrontation or, or we're fearful of uh, messing up a relationship or a friendship. But all I know is that I want my relationship with God to be more important than honoring an individual here on this earth. And I, I do so with the most love and respect and peace, but it really, really has to be done from a place of love. Amen. Yeah, I think a lot of us need to learn how to set boundaries. I think that a lot of us need to learn how to st speak up. Many, many of us, it's easier to lie or to use a mistruth than it is to speak the truth, right? And that's something that I see a lot in the environment that I, I moved in in Los Angeles. People will make plans and then rather than saying, hey, I just don't want to do it, they'll lie. They'll lie and say, well, this came up or I have this or they'll cancel appointments and there's no integrity. It's so easy to make up a lie or to make up a mistruth in order to avoid an uncomfortable situation. And one of the things that God's been working on in my heart and in my life is just to be honest. Like, hey, I'm tired. I made this commitment, but I'm tired and I don't feel like I don't feel up to it. It's not you. I just truly don't want to be there. And people start to honor that. People start to be like, oh. Okay, that makes more sense. Rather than having to lie, you ever had to do that? Where you're just like, oh man, I made plans with you and I'm not gonna be able to make it because I have a doctor's appointment. Oh, no problem. And then the next time they see you, you know, a week later, how was that doctor appointment? And you're like, what doctor appointment? I haven't been to the doctors in years. And they're like, 
canceled our plans to go to a doctor's appointment. You're like, oh, that's right. I forgot that I told a lie to you because I didn't want to hang out with you. So let me, so then it's like you're, you're constantly living this lie, man. I don't even know why I'm sharing this, but it, it, God has put it on my heart just to be in, to have integrity. Just to be honest, if, if there's something, if you make a plan or you you do something, right? Some of you guys are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. Where you're just like, eesh. Like, I am that person. I make plans sometimes without understanding the how tired I'm going to be or not understanding where I'm going to be at. And when the time comes, there's always that temptation to just be like, oof, I need to cancel this. Well, what can I say? What can I say? And God started putting on my heart like, yo, the truth. Just say, bro, I've been pouring out all day and I didn't expect that I would be this exhausted when it came to this, this interaction. I'm tired. Most of the time, the other person wants to cancel anyway. And they're over there on the other end trying to think of ways to come up and lies to come up with to cancel the situation. Because we make decisions and choices sometimes in the moment, right? We establish or we make plans, but God establishes our steps. And sometimes we tend to overfill our schedule or overextend ourselves without understanding the the, et, the debt or the, the time or the energy or the effort that it's going to take. So uh, the message in this completely random would just be to uh, practice that integrity. Pause before you step into saying something that you don't necessarily mean and stop making so many plans for yourselves, right? Glory to God. So moving forward, you know, Paul's talking, uh, chapter one is just, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, in verse 20, he says, the yes to all of God's promises is in Christ. And through Christ, we say yes to the glory of God. Remember, God is the one who makes you and us strong in Christ. God made us his chosen people. He put his mark on us to show that we are his, and he put his spirit in our hearts to be a guarantee for all he had promised. Oof. God's promises, all of God's promises are found in Christ. Right? Mm. All of God's promises are found in Christ. And he chose us. He made us his chosen people. And he gave us his spirit. He put his spirit in our hearts. Because we walk around with the Holy Spirit inside of us. I could go off on a tangent about that. I don't want to get too deep into it. This is chapter one. But that's what I'm preaching on on Easter Sunday. And the direction that we're going in our Bible study and our men's group is just our identity understanding that the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit right here, right here is in you. You, you. you carry around the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit with you at all times. But many of us don't feel that, right? Feel that. Many of us don't understand that. Many of us don't exercise that power. Many of us don't walk in that authority. Right? My, one of my favorite scriptures is that the power in you is greater than the power in this world. The Holy Spirit in you is greater than the power in this world. Yet many of us give so much credit to the devil. So many of us give credit to the enemy. Well, the devil's tempted me again. Or the, the attacks of the enemy, they're, they're overwhelming me. Listen, the scripture says that uh, no weapon formed against you will prosper. 
because the Holy Spirit in you is greater than the spirit in this world. We have been chosen. We have been set aside. We are victors. We are more than conquerors. So, so many of us, we're walking around and we have this picture and this idea of the devil who's just big and bad and he's got his pitchfork and he's got all of these demons and they're just coming at you and poking you and you're just this little wimpy, scared human being. But it's like, no, 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 no. That's not who you are. That is not your identity, right? Maybe if you're a non-believer, maybe if you're still in this world, you haven't repented of your sins. Maybe if you're not, you're not a follower of Christ, but as a follower of Christ, you are a new creation. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, and that spirit is the is is the it's the greatest power. There's nothing greater. Weapons will be formed, but they won't prosper. Right? There will be attacks, but many times it's attack on your identity because you don't know who you are. If you understood who you are, it says resist the devil and he will flee. What, what is the picture of, of somebody fleeing, right? That means that they're, that they're, they're scared. They're scared. God, the, the enemy is scared that you wake up and you start to understand who you are. He doesn't want you to know the power that you have. He doesn't want you. He wants you to live in this illusion that he's this big, bad, roaring lion who's looking to kill, still, and destroy, right? We take that and we just, we have this vision of this big lion that's outside and all he wants, he's just trying to, and he's going to just overcome you. He's going to overwhelm you. He's going to jump out of the bush and he's just going to clobber you and, and start making you sin. He's going to just ravage you. And it's like, no, 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 no. He will flee from you because when you start walking in who you are and owning who you are and knowing who you are, when you start letting this scripture define you and your value and your worth and your identity comes from here, when you start doing that, you can, oh man, you start walking different. You start talking different. You start acting different. You start looking at different things. You start listening to different things. The way you interact with people is different. The way that you see people is different. It's wild. It's wild. God is so good. He goes on further to say, uh, I tell you this, and this is how he ends. He's like, I tell you this, and I ask God to be my witness that this is true. <laughs> he says, the reason I did not come back to Corinth was to keep you from being punished or hurt. We are not trying to control your faith. You are strong in faith, but we are workers with you for your own joy. Not only did God change his plans and take Paul in a different direction, right? But he's also saying, look, if I came back there, we're saving you from some discipline, some some punishment right now, right? I, it kept me from being punished. He doesn't want to just be uh, the guy who shows up and is constantly having to clean house. He wants to encourage them. He wants them to learn on their own. He wants them to grow in their faith. He wants to celebrate with them. But every time he goes there, he's seeing all of these issues and it's uh, it's hard for him to step back and not address these things. He's going to call sin, sin. He's going to preach truth. He's going to stand on foundation. He's going to preach gospel. He's going to get in there and he's going to tear people down from positions of power and he's going to make things right. And, and again, he's established this church. He spent a year and a half there building it. He wrote them a letter. He goes there. Uh, he writes them another letter. That letter doesn't show up. That gets lost. This is the, the essentially the third letter, but the, it's the second one in the Bible. And he's here trying to edify them. He's trying to lift them up. He's trying to teach them. He's trying to not just be this authoritative figure who's standing over them. He wants to share in the joy and the love and the peace and the comfort of Jesus. He's trying to lift them up. And we'll find that as we work through the 13 chapters of 2 Corinthians, um, there's a lot that Paul addresses. There's a lot of encouragement. There's a lot 
of love. There's a lot of teaching. There's discipline. There's conviction. And I pray that as we work our way through 2 Corinthians over the next 13 days, that we do so with an open heart that's softened, eyes that are open, ears that are open, and that we're able to receive. It's going to be so good. And I pray that you guys, I pray that you guys have already taken something from today. If anything, it's stop lying. Be, be, have a little bit of integrity and let your yes mean yes, your no mean no. And stay tuned in with God. You never know what he's going to do. Amen. So in, in Psalm 138, it's fairly short, man. It's eight verses, but I basically highlighted the whole thing. I'm not going to read all of it, but I just want you guys to know. Um, mm, this is so good. He starts with, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Right? This is the position of praise. This is my heart posture. This is where I want to be on a daily basis. I will praise you with my whole heart. He says, before the gods, lowercase g, will I sing praise unto you. Man, in front of, in front of the world, I will stand, stand on a mountain. I will stand on rooftops and I will praise God. My situation doesn't have to be good for me to praise God, right? My money doesn't have to be right for me to praise God. My bank account doesn't have to be right for me to praise God. My, my relationship status doesn't have to be right for me to praise God. I'm going to praise God from my heart, regardless of the grief, the suffering, the pain, the hurt, and the turmoil I have. I know that it's not easy, but when we get to this place and if we find a position of praise, again, I say this all the time. One of my favorite songs is, I will praise you through the storm. I will praise you in the storm, in the middle of the storm. I understand, God, that you are so good that I will praise you with everything that I have. Because even though this life here on earth might not be easy, I might be going through it. There might be filled, it might be filled with pain and suffering. Regardless of what I'm going through, I'm going to praise you with my whole heart. He says, I will worship towards your holy temple. I will praise your name for your loving kindness and for your truth. Ooh, for your truth, for your truth. Wow, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, anything else is counterfeit. Everything else is a lie. Jesus is truth and reality, and what this world sells you is a fantasy. Understand that. Understand that we are being bombarded with thoughts that are fantasy. They're not real. They don't make sense. Everything that this world throws at you is to take your focus off of the truth. It's to numb you to what's truly going on. This world's like this world's agenda is to take your eyes off of the way, off of the truth, off of real life. And it's trying to sell you a fantasy. Oh, you want happiness? It's found in marriage. Oh, you want peace? It's found in a brand new car. You want happiness? The bigger your house, the happier you will be. Oh, you, you, you want satisfaction and purpose? It's in taking as many trips as you can and living your best life and following your heart and filling your life with materials and things. This life, you only live once, so live it to the fullest. Make sure you do all of the things and create a bucket list here on this earth because you know what? You, you want to check off as many of those marks because that's what brings you peace and satisfaction. Yo, that's a fantasy. That's not real. Can we wake up, right? This is a wake-up call. Can we wake up? Can we see through the facade? Can we see through the lies? I will praise you. He said, your loving kindness and for your truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. He says in verse 3, in the day when I cried, thou answered me. 
and strengthen me with strength in my soul. How many of you guys feel like God's not answering your prayer, right? And all the hands raise, right? We all get to this place. He understands. David understands in verse 3. In the day I cried, you answered me. God's answering your prayer. You just might not like the answer. You ever thought about that? Right? God's not answering my prayer. Fix this situation. Change this person. Give me this. Do that. Oh, and when we don't get it, what's happening? God's not, God's not answering. Is that right? Or do you just not like the answer that God's giving you? Wow. Think about that. Really just let me take a drink of coffee while you guys think about that. Yeah, because if God is good, God is faithful, God loves you, right? God is always on time. I'm praying and I'm asking and I'm doing this and I'm that and this and that. Have you ever stood back and just take a step back and said, look, maybe what I'm asking for, I'm getting an answer and the answer is no. It's a hard pill to swallow because we want what we want and we want it now. We live in a microwave generation where if, if I wanted food, except, in, except I was going to say, if I want something, I could dial up DoorDash or Grubhub or Uber Eats and they'll bring it straight to my door when I want it. Except in Sweet Home. There's literally no, there's none of those. They don't have, it's such a small town. They're just like, bro, walk there. You want pizza? Walk across the street. Like it's, it's a town. If you go through and blink, it's literally gone. They don't have Uber Eats, DoorDash, or Grubhub. And it's wrecking me. It's it's hard and it's challenging because I'm so used to it where in every city and the rest of the world, except for this one, they just seem to not need it because everybody knows each other and they can just be like, hey, John, you're run I see you walking to the store. Can you grab me a Pepsi or something? And they're just like, sure. And they walk it like it's the craziest thing. It's crazy. But but I, I get back to the point is God's answering your prayers. You guys understand that? He's answering your prayers. It just might not be the answer that you want. So please don't get mad at God. Wag your fist at him and shake your finger at the Lord when you're not getting what you want. Our heart posture tends to be that of a child's, right? When we don't get what we want, when when, when my kids were young, right? And before they knew better, when they wouldn't get what they want, you know, they, they'd, oh, my, you don't love me. You don't want what's best for me. You don't care about me. And they slam the door and kids will run and they get their pillow and, ah, and they're screaming in their pillow. And you guys know some of you did that stuff too. Um, you know, or you slam the door and behind the door, you're doing middle fingers at the door because, oh, you're so mad. And it's just like, that doesn't change the love that your parent has for you. They just know better than you because you're just a bobblehead little baby and you don't even know how to make decisions. You're still pooping in a pamper. Why would I give you what you want when you don't even know what you need? And so it's the same with God. Like we get so mad. This is what I want and I want it right now. And if I don't get it right now, then you don't love me. What are you talking about? I'm not giving that to you because I love you. It would ruin your life because you don't even know what's best for yourself. Look at what look at this. Look at what you wore today. Like look at the decisions and choices that you're making. You're horrible at making choices. Right? The best choice you ever made was to follow me. So trust that I know what's best for you. Right? Moving forward. He says uh in verse 5, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of your own hands. God's not going to forsake the work of his own 
hand. We are his creation. He chose us, right? He formed you in your mother's womb. He handcrafted you. He designed you. He breathed breath into you. He knows what's best. He's not going to just forget about you. He's not just leaving you stranded. It might feel like he might have forgot about you. But many times it's not. It's not God who needs to change his methods. It's not God who needs to change the way he's doing things. It's us who need to change our hearts and have a better, deeper understanding of who he is. If we can get to the point where we realize that God's not a genie and he's not here just to serve us and to give us everything our heart desires and to make our lives super duper easy and to get rid of all of the pain and the hurt and the, the suffering. And if God loved me, then why is he allowing these things to happen? Um, when we can get to that place in our walk with God and, and start to have an understanding of who he is, life starts to be different. Life starts to hit different. Life starts to make more sense. I thought I wrote something. Oh, yeah, one of the questions, I'm going to jump back and then we're going to pray and we're going to get out of here, right? Uh, what translation is my Bible? Which one? So this one is an NCV when I'm reading the New Testament out of, okay? And then this one is the King James Version when I'm reading the Old Testament. Uh, at home, I've got an NIV. I've got an ESV. I've got a New King James Version. I, I, I read a lot of different versions. Right? So this one is um, that I'm reading out of is the NCV. So the question that some of the people in Corinth were asking, they were asking, why would an apostle suffer? Right? Some of the things that they were struggling with, their, their, their mindset was like, okay, Paul, you're a man of God. You're connected to the Lord. You're doing all of these good things. Why would an apostle struggle? Why, if you're so, if, if God loves you so much, then why are you going through these struggles? And that was the question. That was the answer to the question, right? That was the answer to the question. He comforts us every time we have trouble. So when others have trouble, we can comfort them with the same comfort God gives us, right? He allows us to go through some things that aren't always easy, that are challenging. Um, and again, I think that they become easier when we start to look at things through the perspective of eternity. The, some of the hardest things, loss and grief and uh, sickness and, and failure in relationship and mistakes and tragedy, like all of these things, if we put them into the scope of eternity and not just our limited point of view, when we're looking at them through the scope of eternity, I am allowed to go through these things. These things have happened and occurred in my life. Because with the grace of God and the power of Jesus, I can take those experiences. God can heal me, change me, and transform me from them so they no longer uh, they no longer define me. But now, because I have these life experiences, I can take them. And anybody who might not be saved or even saved who goes through something similar, I can step into that place. I can be an ambassador for Jesus. I can relate to them and go, hey, I've been right where you're at, and I know the things that you're thinking. I understand your heart posture. Right? I didn't go through the, the, the same experience, but so similar. And this is what worked for me. This is the direction you should go. Let me counsel you. Let me embrace you. Let me love you. Let me hold on to you. Let me comfort you because God comforted me through that situation. So let me hold your hand and let me walk you to Jesus and let's get healed and let's be changed and let's be transformed and let's switch our mindset 
And now together, let's go out and find more people who come from our similar situation so we can relate to them and we can gather them together and we can take them and we can get them saved and changed and transformed. And then we can go out and there's more of us. And you know what? Now, now let's start an organization that, that specifies in these kind of individuals and let's target these people who have gone through these experiences and let's bring them all in and let's point them to Jesus. So let's use the comfort that we received from Christ and let's comfort others so that they too can receive the same comfort from Jesus, right? And now the pain that once defined me and held me hostage, that pain now comes purpose. What was meant for evil was turned to good for the glory of God. That's how I see life. That's so, so, when, so when you're in the middle of it and you're suffering, you're like, why me? Why me? And God's saying, because you can take this. You have the power. You will be able to take and change that heart posture. You'll be able to see through the pain. And you will be able to take that and make it purpose. And, and from that purpose, you'll be able to change and transform and help people. Help people see him. I just pray, and I know I, I know that it's hard to understand that in the minute, in, like when you're going through it. So there's so much love and there's so much care for those of you who are in the middle of it. But I'm trying to jump in and tell you now, right? Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Um, if you guys could pray for me that uh, I think I have allergies. I'm not sick. I don't feel sick. I feel great. But... Um, my mom smokes. My mom smokes, and I know she smokes in the house when I'm not here. I can tell. I, I know. I know that she is. Um, and she even admitted to the she, oh, only in her room. And I'm like, in your room, it don't matter. Smoke goes under the doors. It's everywhere. And so when I'm here, I think that I'm like, I'm like allergic to the smoke. So I'm like all stuffy and snotty. I don't like it. So if you guys could pray that... Um, I'm going to I'm going to lay hands on her like not like that like I'm going to pray for her and I'm going to see if she can be delivered from the bondage of smoking. I would love that. She's been smoking since she was born basically. Ever since I've known her she smoked. Like I, I remember the age when we would live in California, we she'd be smoking cigarettes with the windows up in the kit, you know, before secondhand smoke was a thing. I remember we'd be she'd be burning them back to back while we were in the car and we were just like it was nothing. But as I've gotten older, I've separated myself from cigarette smoke and uh now that I'm here, I'm so sensitive to it. And as soon as I step in, my nose gets cloggy, my eyes are watery, and I'm like, I'm all nasally. So be praying that she is able to, um, we can break this bondage and this addiction to, to cigarettes and nicotine. I think we can do it. I know we can do it. So be praying for that. Would you guys put your prayer requests in, um, in the comment section? Praying hands is an unspoken prayer. We're going to pray ourselves up out of here, and I hope that you guys have an amazing day. I love you. I honor you. And we're going to keep it 530 for the weekend, um, this weekend. I'm well-rested, and I will be getting some amazing rest while my kids are here. I sleep good here. So um, we're just going to keep it 530 for the weekend. Amen. Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for today. We want to thank you for your message. We want to thank you for your word. And uh, for all of our new brothers and sisters in Christ who received the Holy Spirit, who uh, were grafted into the Holy Family, uh, who, who accepted the free gift of salvation, we're so thankful and grateful for each and every one of them. Lord, in this moment, we just want to lift up our prayer requests. And God, what we want is we want your will to be done. That's what we want. Lord, we don't want anything that's not from you. So if there's a door that's opened in our life that's not from you, we pray that you close it. 
if there's an opportunity that's rising up and it's only meant to distract or take us away from your plan and purpose, we ask that you would close that opportunity. Even in the middle of things that are, are, are looking good, not everything good is coming from you. And so right now, we pray that you would give us discernment to know the difference, that you would give us ears to hear your voice, and you would give us eyes to see the path that you want us to go down. God, we want your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. God, give us discernment to understand your yeses and nos. God, help us to find a heart posture of praise, and even in the middle of what we're going through, to give you glory and honor, because you are worthy regardless of our situation and circumstances. Right here, right now, God, we just ask that uh, you would teach us, lead us, and guide us from our failures, from our mistakes, and from sin. God, we don't want to repeat sin. We don't want to be in a cycle of doing the same thing over and over. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would help us to break the chains, that we would start walking in the boldness and the authority that we have through your death, burial, and resurrection. God, and that we would start utilizing the power that we have, knowing that the power in us is greater than the power in this world. As we leave this place, Lord, we ask that you would protect us, that you would overshadow us, and that you would breathe life into each and every one of our situations. Uh, we just love you, and we thank you, and we praise us all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. I love you guys, and uh, yeah, hope you guys have an amazing day. Um, I'm excited. I get to see my boys today, and uh, we have plans to do absolutely nothing, which is many times uh, a great gift uh, of not busying up the, the schedule with activity, but just with being and spending time. Plus with gas prices and the way my bank account is set up, um, the only thing I can afford to give them right now is my time. So <laughs> I'm dead serious. Oh man, my friend was like, you should take them to Portland to this indoor track. I was like, I can't, I, we're not driving that far. First off, I rented a Prius. So they said, what car do you want? And I said, do you have anything that is fuel efficient? They said, we got a Prius. I said, I'm not here for show, man. I'm here to go. I want to make sure that I've got gas to get us to point A and point B. So we are doing, we're going to be hiking because that's free. We're going to be, uh, that's probably about it. I don't got a whole lot. I don't got a whole long list of things we're going to do. It's a three-day weekend. And uh, we're going to spend a lot of time. We might we might go shoot some hoops. But uh, that's about the only thing that God has given me right now. The blessing that he's given me is time. So we're going to be spending a lot of that and nothing else. Amen. I love you guys. I honor you. I just hope you guys have an amazing day. And thank you for laughing at my jokes. You guys truly make me feel like I have a sense of humor. So I appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, we'll catch you guys tomorrow. I love you.